Decorum orders are issued in the Lori Vallow case. Who doesn't separate their garbage from everyone else using surgical gloves? Alec Murdoch's attorney tells true crime fans to get a life. Jade Jenks is sentenced. Some people have to try it themselves before they actually believe it. And hey, this is why you want a body in a homicide case. You don't want to get it wrong. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment. Hit that little bell for notifications. And remember, you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Now, before we get started, we need to support the people that support Crime Talk. Go to crimetalksearch.com. Sign up for that background subscription service today. When you have it, you can do as many background searches as you want. Find out the information on the people you want. A report is literally generated while you wait, and you're going to get information as to whether someone's, I don't know, married, divorced. Do they have liens against them? I don't know. Do they have a criminal history? Everything you want to know. Find out if somebody is telling you the truth. Go to crimetalksearch.com. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for March 8th, 2023, and begin our docket. Judge Boyce issues decorum orders as it relates to the Lori Vallow case. First, there will be no disruptions. There will be no recordings of any kind. Apparently, it's going to be video so that there can be people watching in a different room in the courthouse, but it won't be made available to the media and you and me. So all the people that can't go to Idaho to watch this case have to go to the courthouse to actually do it. It's impossible, ladies and gentlemen. So anyway, the court says that they've decided to allow, we should all be so thankful, They've allowed uh, viewing of other than the uh, public portions of the jury trial at two additional locations. First, there's going to be the uh, Ada County Courthouse where they're going to designate a courtroom where other people can go and uh, view the proceedings. Additionally, there'll also be one in Madison County at a remote viewing location. And once again, that'll be designated by the judge there um, at that particular courthouse and people can go and watch the proceedings because, you know, we're going to make this available to the family members uh, of, of the victims, which is totally appropriate. But, you know, remember the victim's family in this particular case wanted it to be made available to the world so that they can see the evil that is on trial. Additionally, they have family members that can't make it to Ada County or Madison County to view the uh, trial. So it really does no good. So nice try, judge, but you're really not making um, it really available to the world. And I think as we've seen recently, particularly in the Alec Murdoch trial, it can be done. It can be okay. It's going to be okay. And guess what? Alec Murdoch got a fair trial. Okay. Just leaving it right there. Anyway, and of course, all of this will be subject to technological needs um, and capabilities. So don't get too excited. Uh, basically, though, you got to go to Idaho to watch the Lori Vallow trial. Now, remember, you can make a reservation. You can make a reservation as of yesterday so that you can get a seat in the actual courtroom. Frank and I are going to do it. Frank, the hardest working man in show business, the producer here, we're going. 
So we're going to make reservations and we're going to go. We're going to look at calendars and we're going to go. I don't think this first trial is going to last six weeks, but that's just me. Next on the docket, Brian Koberger. Hey, come on, who doesn't separate their garbage at night from everybody else and uh, you know do it while wearing gloves? You know, hey, maybe it's obsessive compulsive. I get it. Or is there something nefarious going on? Well, Pennsylvania officials have revealed that the Idaho College murder suspect, Brian Koberger, was doing when they raided his uh, home, his parents' home, actually, and they arrested him in the early morning hours of December 30th. Now, obviously, you know, Koberger had been under surveillance for some time. In fact, agents had tracked him as he and his father drove from Washington State, where he was the uh, criminal justice uh, graduate student, back to their residence in Pennsylvania. Now, Mr. Koberger was found awake in the kitchen area, dressed in uh, shorts and a shirt and wearing latex medical gloves, and apparently was taking his personal trash and putting it into separate Ziploc baggies. I mean, that's totally normal, right? Who does that at midnight? I don't know. That's weird. I can't wait to hear Brian Koberger's explanation for that. I'm sure it's completely reasonable and plausible because you can't have your garbage mixed in with anybody else's. Anyway, officers were able to take a, a cheek swab for DNA and seized a silver flashlight, four medical style gloves, a t-shirt, a uh, sweatshirt, uh, some shoes and socks and the shorts that Mr. Koberger was wearing at the time. I can't wait. I can't wait. And now that Mr. Koberger has another co-counsel on his case, um, certainly there should be no delay for that preliminary hearing at the end of June. And I can't wait for the reasonable explanation as to why he's separating his garbage. Let me know. Is that normal? Show my hands. Who separates their garbage? Hey, Alec Murdoch's attorney says, get a life. That's right. If you are a true crime fan, Mr. Murdoch's attorney is saying, get a life. So his defense attorney says that he's received uh, some disturbing mail. That's right, Mr. Harptulian where people uh, have said that uh, they hope that he dies from rectal cancer. Um, he got this letter because he was representing, obviously, Alec Murdoch. Now, Mr. Harpulian, who is a uh, state senator, spoke of the message uh, while calling him a piece of scum or wishing cancer on him while he was on the uh, Senate floor uh, Thursday of last week, uh, noting all the well wishes that uh, he received. He says not all of them wish that he had rectal cancer uh, on, on him, but uh, he was uh, fairly critical, he said. And he uh, called, along with his fellow defense attorney, Jim, Jim Griffin, who called the sensational six-week trial a miscarriage of justice. And Mr. Harpulian said that he believes his harshest critics have a misapprehension of the nation's justice system. And I'm actually going to kind of agree with him on some of these points. He said, well, though most people that were criticizing him are probably very familiar with the Second Amendment, they apparently haven't got that far and actually read the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth and the Eighth Amendment that guarantee our freedoms of ourselves and our property, Mr. Harpulian stated. You don't have to convince me you're innocent for me to represent you. That's not the issue. The issue is, can the state prove your guilt beyond a reasonable doubt? Once you decide that position, you are free to do what is in your client's best interest. And I totally agree with him on that. He then mentioned how several presidents, such as John Adams and Abraham Lincoln, represented defendants accused of murder. That's right. All true. 
And over his nearly 50 years of practicing law, Mr. Harpoolian has said he has prosecuted a case that put a man in an electric chair and defended a man who was sentenced to death. He says he's done both sides. I'm not a Red Sox fan or a Yankees fan. This is not what it's about. He said, so those out there that you know may appear on YouTube somewhere who don't understand, read a book. He ended his speech by directing some choice words to the people who slept outside in order to secure a seat in the gallery during the trial. His words of advice, get some help. Ouch, ouch. Now, some further Alec Murdoch news. For those of you who want to write Alec Murdoch, and maybe you know it's his booking photo that's gonna get you all excited, looks like you can send him letters to the Kirkland facility in the South Carolina Department of Corrections. Here's all his identifying information. You can start mailing them letters. All right, here's a quick example of anything you say can and will be used against you. Jade Jenks, remember her? Well, she got sentenced to 25 years to life for killing her stepfather because he had nude photographs of her on his computer. I agree, weird and creepy. On January 1st, 2021, the San Diego Sheriff's Office received a welfare check request from a male at a home in Solana Beach. At the scene, detectives found a deceased man identified as Thomas Merriman. He was buried underneath a pile of trash on the driveway. Now, prosecutors alleged and ultimately proved at trial that on December 23rd, 2020, Ms. Jenks was cleaning up Merriman's home while he was recovering in a medical care facility when she bumped into his computer and mouse and discovered hundreds of nude photos of herself on the computer. After finding the photos, Jenks allegedly then contacted a friend who told her he could help fix a problem. Then on New Year's Eve of 2020, Jenks picked up Merriman from the medical care facility and gave him several pain pills and sleeping pills. And the district attorney's office said that Jenks then reached out to her friend and texted that she just dosed the hell out of him and was bringing him home. The friend reportedly didn't show up to fix the problem as Jenks texted multiple times saying, he's waking up. I really don't want to be the one to do this. He's waking up and I really need your help. I'm about to club him on the head and he is waking up. It's going to be weekend at Bernie's. Ah, text messages. Anything you say, ladies and gentlemen. See, most people think, well, it only matters what I say to the police that comes in against me. No, it's everything. It's called an admission by a party opponent because you were a party as a defendant in the case and anything you say comes in against you. Anyway, the prosecutors argued that after Merriman was drugged, Ms. Jenks used a grocery bag or a pillowcase to strangle him, but it didn't quite work quickly enough, so she used her hands to finish the job. Jenks reportedly admitted to her friend that she drugged, suffocated, and strangled her stepfather and needed help putting his body in his bed to make it look like it was an overdose. However, the friend called the police, probably why he wasn't responding, right? didn't want to get involved. And then when somebody confesses murder to you, it's kind of the morally right thing to do to call the police. Well, Miss Jenks discovered that was the wrong idea and obviously was convicted of first degree murder in December of last year. And on March 6th, the district attorney announced that she was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Prosecutor said it was a complex case and with the hard work of law enforcement and tirelessly uh, working investigators, they showed that she was a horrible human being and killed her father.
yes, you don't need to um, kill people, even if it's weird and creepy that he's got a bunch of nude photos on you. I get it. Next on the docket, some people just have to do it themselves to believe it. So on March 5th, about 45 minutes before landing, a cockpit alarm went off on an airplane alerting flight crew that a door had been disarmed. Well, needless to say, a flight attendant investigated and noticed that the door's locking handle had been moved out of the fully locked position. The emergency slide arming lever had been moved to the disarmed position, apparently. The flight attendant secured the door and the emergency slide before notifying the captain and the rest of the flight crew. And they apparently saw Francisco Severo Torres, Francisco Severo Torres, beside the door and believed Torres had tampered with the door. When the flight attendant asked Mr. Torres about the situation, he allegedly said he wanted to know if he was caught on security camera doing anything. Because once again, that's a normal response. Anyway, the flight attendant then reportedly notified the captain that they believed Torres was a threat to the flight and that the captain needed to land the aircraft as quickly as possible. Well, Torres allegedly then got up from his seat and walked toward the two flight attendants near the uh, side door of the airplane, and he thrust towards one of them in a stabbing motion with a broken metal spoon, hitting the flight attendant in the neck and uh, at least three times. Fortunately, the passengers and the crew tackled Mr. Torres, restraining him so the uh, flight crew could uh, make sure that they landed safely in Boston. Passengers, when interviewed, also reported that Mr. Torres asked a fellow passenger where in the safety card it showed where the door handle was located during the flight attendant's safety briefing before takeoff, and that Torres was seen pacing in a galley before actually attacking the flight attendants. Needless to say, that is interference and attempted interference with a flight crew and uh, the flight attendants, obviously very dangerous situation. And guess what? Mr. Torres now faces up to life in prison and could also be subject to a maximum penalty of $250,000. What can you say, ladies and gentlemen? Some people just got to try for themselves. Now, unlikely that he would have got that door open while they were flying, but still, you don't go doing that stuff. That is just ridiculous. It's dangerous. And, you know, we, during COVID, we saw a lot of uh, airplane crime. I hope it's not coming back like food crime. You just never know when it's going to show up. All right. This is why you need a body in a murder case. Now, fortunately, no one was charged with murder. But think of all the cases where they say somebody disappeared. They believe a spouse maybe did it. They need a body. Now, they don't need a body, but they should. So listen to this story. A woman who's been missing for over 30 years was found alive at a nursing home in Puerto Rico where she was reported living with dementia. The woman's name is Patricia Capta, um, and she was known around Pittsburgh as the Sparrow because of her street preaching that she did until she went missing back in 1992. Well, apparently, the uh, police in the Ross Township held a press conference and said that they received a call or message from an agent from Interpol and a social worker in Puerto Rico that also recently reached out to the department to share information regarding where Ms. Copta has been for the last 25 years. The sheriff said at the uh, press briefing that Copca went into the adult home care back in 1999 after she was found in need and wandering the streets of Puerto Rico. 
Kopka supposedly refused to ever discuss her private life with anyone at the adult home, except that she arrived via a European cruise ship. However, as she got older, Kopka began revealing more information about her identity, and officials were able to connect enough dots and contacted the Ross Township Police Department. Investigators in Pennsylvania then sent the nursing home a buckle swab, uh, which was used to get a DNA uh, cheek swab sample, compared that to the DNA sample from Kopka's sister and a nephew. A private DNA lab confirmed that Kopka is, in fact, still alive. Now, her husband, Bob Kopka, said, you wouldn't believe what we've been through, that it's a relief to know that she's actually alive. And he said that his wife began preaching around downtown Pittsburgh, telling the world the world was coming to an end. Anyway, Ms. Kopka was concerned that she was going to be institutionalized, which might have led her to fleeing Pennsylvania and ultimately winding up in Puerto Rico. She apparently had been diagnosed with some sort of delusional uh, disorder, including that of delusional grandeur. Anyway, Ms. Kopka was declared legally dead 25 years ago. And her husband, they've been married for 20 years before she disappeared. He says it's just a relief knowing that she's not in a ditch or murdered somewhere. And um, he wants everybody to know it looks like she had left on her own. Um, but imagine if somebody had been prosecuted, possibly a husband, somebody saying they did something. That's why you need a body, ladies and gentlemen, because sometimes you just never know if somebody walked away. And finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. Please meet Mr. Richard Quick. According to the police, was recently spotted walking into an Orlando roadway and engaging with passing cars. After initially ignoring demands that he show police his hands and get on the ground, Mr. Quick was ultimately handcuffed and searched. Officers reported finding a pair of knives and a crack pipe in Mr. Quick's pants. As a result, he was charged with possession of drug and paraphernalia as well as carrying a concealed weapon. Mr. Quick also faces a charge of resisting police. He's being held in the county jail on a $3,000 misdemeanor bond. As you can see, the arrest affidavit refers to Quick's face paint. The document offers no insight as to exactly how the defendant became covered in pink paint. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if Mr. Quick knows either. Anyway, Mr. Quick, congratulations. You're a dumb criminal of the day because I think you did something dumb and it involved... I don't know, maybe the use of that crack pipe. Just saying. All right. That's all we have for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk. Crime Talk.